Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction, and free shipping, and that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements, featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash ACAST and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news... All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. MintMobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. We're talking North Korea today. Mm. Yeah, I don't think enough ink has been spilt on. <laughs> we need to have a conversation. We need to talk about Rocket Man, as I like to call him. Isn't he a little crazy? <laughs> is that a reference to something in particular, or is that just? A- uh, well, Trump. Well, actually, Trump <laughs> called him Rocket Man, and then uh, I remember watching the Amazing Race, and they did a segment where they had to go to the 38th parallel, in kind of like on the border of the demilitarized zone, and yeah. Bo Ryan is the host. <laughs> They did that on the Australian one. Sorry? They did that on the Australian one. Yeah, Australian. And so (laughs) this was just before COVID and Bo Ryan's like, and we're going over here to see someone I like to call Rocket Man. (laughs) And my dad was like, no, that's Trump. Trump called him that first. You copied Trump. (laughs) Yes, we are talking North Korea today. Do you ever- like Instagram ads um, for apply for the amazing race now. That'd be, uh, Yeah. Could be fun. If they see your potential. Yeah. Um. I think, do you reckon we're at a big, big enough point where we could get public support behind an amazing race? No. <laughs> <laughs> if we were, if we, <laughs> let's say if we were to do that, I think Survivor would be the one that if any reality TV show that I, I would like to maybe get public support so, behind. Yeah. I think um, we can. Could you imagine? Like it'd be um, my intro. I'm, I'm a podcast host. Um, <laughs> I, I talk about my race for school captain. Year five. Um, that so skill set would serve you I very well. For that. <laughs> yeah. So yeah. Survivor failing that. Maybe the chase. Mm. Maybe we can go for the chase. That'd be it. Now I probably don't want to do very well. On the chase. Yeah. I think I would you, really struggle with the chase. Success regardless. Cause no one ever beats the chase. Yeah. Like. Yeah. And these are like people that are like 60 years old, retired, just read like nonfiction for fun. Yeah. Do you remember a time, Mm. do you remember a time in your life where you first heard about North Korea? Like just the concept of like this, like, I don't know, like North Sentinel Island, but a major country. I reckon it was 2010 World Cup when they got spanked by Portugal. That was mine. Portugal. (laughs) But I didn't know like 
they were never a concern. They were just, oh, poor North Korea. <laughs> they got spanked by Portugal. 7-0. Have you seen the movie? The, oh, no, that's not what it's called. Damn, I was about to say The Dictator, but that's the one with Sasha Baron Cohen. <laughs> that's, that's Kazakhstan. Uh, yeah. You know, but like no, he, that's not Kazakhstan, that's boring. The Dictator, I think he kind of draws kind of some inspiration mm. from Kim Jong. Uh, what's the movie with James Franco, Seth Rogen... Uh, uh, the the interview. The oh, interview. Right, okay. That's when they go to assassinate him, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah. He's a. Have you seen it? No. Oh. That's not. That's a different movie to the internship. I'm assuming. No. Yeah. Not the internship. The interview. <laughs> the interview. So, yeah. Like James Franco is like a celebrity talk host guy, and he gets his producers like, "We're not doing anything serious." Who's Seth Rogen? It's like we need to do more serious stuff, and he finds out that King Jong Un is a fan of the show. So the James Franco guy sets up an interview with Kim Jong-un to try and bring some credibility to their show. (laughs) And it's a joke. And then basically the CIA comes in as like, we want you to, when you do the interview to kill him and (laughs) ethical dilemma. (laughs) Let us know in the comments. Would you kill Kim (laughs) Jong-un? So he goes over there and Kim Jong-un basically um, befriends him. And like the, then the guy's like, I don't want to kill him. He's such a nice guy. You know, like, the real assassination was the friends we made along the way. So it's a funny little comedy. It's a funny sequel to Argo. <laughs> <laughs> Man, I see why they didn't want to call it Argo 2 now. Yeah. Oh my yeah. gosh. So that was your first encounter with Kim Jong-un. Just the concept of... Oh, I think I was aware of it before then. But like, yeah, I think I watched that movie probably when I was around like year, year eight. So mm. that was like, and that was, yeah, prime time for silly comedies. Yeah. yeah, yeah, that was a good era of, I'm assuming, like, what, 2013, 2014? Well, that's just the age you're kind of, kind of getting into it. Oh, right, like, yeah, yeah. There's some naughty words and... Oh, yeah, like, first time watching Adam Sandler. Dark humour, yeah. Mine was, gro- mine, mine was Grown, grown ups, ups was mine. <laughs> grown Ups a bit, yeah, that was a good one. <laughs> now, I my first encounter with North Korea was, like, Ben, the 2010 World Cup. But I remember people saying, like, and... Kim Jong-il, because he was he was the guy that was in for the 2010 World Cup, Kim Jong-il is telling the Koreans that he has scored 10 goals against Spain, <laughs> even though they didn't, and they won the World Cup final. And I remember thinking, even as I was 13, or no, I was 12 actually, because I turned 13 at the end of the year. I was in year seven, and I was like, that doesn't sound right. <laughs> that, that, like, like... That sounds like we're kind of not fairly representing. I am sure Kim Jong-il did not legitimately claim to score 10 goals against Spain in the World Cup. Like something just seems, that seems like a bit bit of an exaggeration. Um, Somehow, I think Kim Jong-il is aware that the North Koreans wouldn't buy the fact that a 70-year-old leader has not (laughs) scored 10 goals against Spain at the World Cup. Also, people around him would have seen him when the... A lot of plot holes. Mm -hmm. And that's when I started to get suspicious about is the West narrative around North Korea always right? Are we fairly representing? I'm interested to get some more insight. Look at you go. Such Apart from old head on young shoulders. I was, I was a bit, I was like, I'd, I'd sip the Kool-Aid on, <laughs> on Barney Bay primary school captain elections. I was not sipping that Kool-Aid, but we do love to make fun of North Korea and they are the they're kind of the, the globe's punching bag in terms of like comedic jokes. It is a really interesting story, and I'm not going to focus on Kim Jong-un because I think it's much more interesting under Kim Jong-il. So, let's get the backstory. North Korea came into existence when? Ooh, couldn't tell you. <laughs> was there a uh, 
a war. It was a war. A co- Korean war. It was a Korean war. That was prior to the Vietnam War. It was war. prior to the Vietnam War. So we're talking like 1950s. Wow. Good, good. Yeah, full marks <laughs> are working out there. Oh my gosh, he's good. So yeah. effect- effectively in the 1800s, the UK and the Americans helped Japan modernize really quickly. We call it the Meiji Restoration. And Japan had built a really strong industrial machinery. And so they, they could then go and conquer Asia. So they beat China in the first Sino-Japanese War. They then invaded Manchuria and occupied northeastern China. And they also colonized Korea and they took Korea off of the Chinese. And during World War II, Korea was under the control of Japan where it was ruled brutally. Now, what had happened was a young rebel called Kim Il-sung was trained by the Soviet Union. And this was an established rebel already. A lot of people kind of flirt with the idea that the Soviets picked Kim Il-sung up out of nowhere and kind of made him a superstar. He was well known in Korea before the Soviets. But he gets trained in, in Russia. And during his training in Russia, probably Kim Jong-il was born in Siberia during that period. That, that's kind of the generally accepted explanation. And so Kim Il-sung, he comes back to Korea after the end of World War II. So World War II ends when the Americans drop the atomic bomb, but it also ends as Russia occupies Manchuria and as the Soviets take China off of the Japanese. And people often forget about that second part of the end of World War II. And so basically we've got an issue where the Soviets have said, this is the leader of Korea. He was an independence fighter beforehand. And now that Japan's gone, he is your rightful leader. The Americans go, well, we don't want Kim Il-sung. Uh, we want to support someone else called Syngman Rhee. And effectively that creates uh, a civil war. And we have North Korea fighting South Korea. At first it, it goes well for the North, but then the South comes out really strong. If it wasn't for China, the North probably would have been conquered by the South and China really save North Korea. And then we have Douglas MacArthur, who was a World War II kind of five-star general in the Pacific. He says to Harry Truman, you know what? We could, just put it out there, mm. we could drop an atomic bomb on Korea. Mm. <laughs> Done it before, it worked, why not do it again? And agree. Harry Truman was like... No, no, I'm joking. joking. <laughs> but, no, but like, unless. Like, <laughs> <laughs> have a think about it. <laughs> and yeah, Truman, Truman was like, yeah, no. And yeah, then he was like, no, I was joking, sir. I was joking. Oh, come on, come on. <laughs> and so um, the Korean War ends with a stalemate where they effectively draw a line along the 38th parallel of latitude. Mm-hmm. Mm. Latitude flat. Yeah, latitude <laughs> equals flatitude. Well done. And they basically decide to split Korea up. And we've got North Korea and we've got South Korea. North mm. Korea is run by Kim Il-sung. South Korea run by Syngman Rhee. Now, which of those Koreas is richer today? South. By, by a mile. Mm. If you were to say that in the 50s, no one would have believed you. Because the North has the better resources. Mm. And everyone would have expected North Korea to prosper. People forget that South Korea was dirt poor in the 50s. Mm. And Korea is, is a, it's, it's not like the North had better resources, but it's still not plentiful with resources. It's pretty, they call it like a barren peninsula. Yeah. And so Korea, like South Korea, they had to change their economy. And then with America's support, they kind of got really big in the tech industry. And that's kind of how they, oh, how they prospered. And look at them now. Hyundai. Like we've been in their airport. Oh. Tourism. I was, yeah. We, <laughs> what we an airport it is. Speak about our time in Korea. <laughs> I agree. At some point. Let's uh, yeah. go now. Well, we were in Korea we for about seven hours. I yeah. loved it. There was a little like arcade area with this basketball hoop. And I just hustled that for like an hour, got really sweaty 
And then there were just free showers and they gave you towels and you just go had a shower. Yeah. And I'm like, this is, this is, this is travel. Yeah. This, is, <laughs> this is the airport experience mm. we all want. Yeah. Yeah. I should have done that more. Uh, those Korean fried chicken. That mm. was good. Mm-hmm. That I felt great. like authentic, right? Yeah. Um, <laughs> and then, yeah, I just watched a couple movies, chilled out. Yeah. But it was, a, it was lovely airport. It was very quiet, which was nice. Mm. Or that overnight, I guess. Mm. But, um, yeah, there was a piano as well. True. Yeah. And it was just a nice walk. And as we flew into Incheon Airport, it was well, January 2020. So we were just off the back of the bushfires, right? Mm. And it was nighttime in Korea. And I'm like looking and being like, okay, I, I'm pretty sure I won't be able to see into North Korea. But I want to see if you can see, you know, those kind of global satellite photos of South Korea with all the lights on, North Korea with the lights off. Mm-hmm. I want to see if I can see that from above. Very yeah. ambitious. But as I look out, because you can you can look on the screen yep. in front of you, you can see the the front camera. Mm. I see this really bright orange. It's just the kind of air traffic controllers <laughs> uh, weighing them down with really bright LED yep. lights. But I'm like, I'm a bit scarred from experience in Australia. And I go to Ben, I'm like, is something on fire? <laughs> and in my head, I'm like generally convinced that, wow. that, that Incheon was on fire and that we're flying into like a, a, a fire zone. We, we weren't, but do you yeah. remember that? I like, no, I don't actually. Oh, yeah, yeah. I, I kind of hailed you down, but you would not expect South Korea to be richer than North Korea mm. if you were to go back to the fifties. Okay. And so we'll kind of fast forward through the story really quickly. So we could Ben and I drive Hyundai's. True. Um, yeah. <laughs> I have a Samsung. I'm looking at a Samsung right now. Yeah. yeah. It's all around us. And they have like, I don't know. I really want to try that. They have like Sam because like Samsung's just Samsung is such a like uh, mega industry in and I say the word industry in in Korea. They have like Samsung lollies. Mm. I really want to try. Wow. Yeah. yeah. Anyway, <laughs> <laughs> effectively, what happened was so Kim Il Sung is in the the Eastern Bloc with Stalin and with Mao. Stalin dies. Khrushchev comes in, and then Russia and China break up. And North Korea has to decide which side of the Sino-Soviet split are they going to be on? Like, are you going to choose mum's side or are you going to choose dad's side? And they say, we support the side of socialism. And they're like, nah, nah, but <laughs> come on, come on, let's be real. Who are you going to pick? And they, they reluctantly go with China because Stalin had been such a formative influence for Kim Il-sung and Khrushchev had kind of put the middle finger to Stalin. So North Korea, they side with with the with the Chinese, but then the Chinese really pave off North Korea because they do the Cultural Revolution and they kind of descend into chaos in the 60s and the 70s. So North Korea is kind of left with no one and they start cozying back up to the Soviet Union. But what happens with the Soviet Union um, by the 80s and then definitely by the 90s, it just disintegrates and falls apart. And now Russia is trying to rebuild itself with the West rather than with the Eastern Bloc. And so... By the time we get to the 90s, Kim Il-sung dies and there's not really much going for North Korea. They don't have an abundance of resources, though they are better than, than the South. They don't have any trading blocks. The world, like everyone else has put embargoes mm-hmm. on them because they're a communist country and they don't really have many people they can trade with. And so... No tourism. Yeah, no, no, no tourism. Except, although Mr. Carveth, I'll just put his name out there. Oh. From He went to Pyongyang twice. Pyongyang's in North Korea. Oh, what? There's one in South Korea that sounds very similar, right? Pyongyang or something? Could be. 
Where, the Winter Olympics. Yeah, I know the one you're talking about. Yeah. Yeah. No, Pyongyang's not yet. Okay. That's, yeah, Pyongyang's the capital. North Korea. So he, and that, that, from what I understand, yeah, random. there's very selective parts of the city that you're allowed to go to as a tourist. Mm. There were two Aussie blokes that went there to get a haircut. Um, do you remember that video? It went viral like five years ago. Mm. No. Oh, it's interesting. You should watch it. They, yeah. um, they, they, they were trying to prove the point that North Korea isn't as propagandistic as what the world makes them out to be. Because there was a story running that everyone had to get Kim Jong-un's haircut. I think that was the premise of the... Mm. And they went to be like, doesn't that just sound rubbish to you? Like, does, does that not seem like just a yeah. lie? Yeah. So they went over and they got a haircut of their choice and in their style to kind of prove the point. Uh, yeah. But but yeah, it's a kind of very limited tourism still. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Not many people going there for haircuts. <laughs> and above all, Kim Il-sung is paranoid that his regime will collapse. So he puts 30% of the government's expenditure. So 30% of the budget goes into the military. Mm. I think it was upped from about 6%. Yeah. Wow. How does that compare? What do you know what the U S the U S's military budget is as a, I mean, ours must be, I don't know, actually, I don't know if it's low or high. The U S is 12%. Yeah. And that is a lot still. That is like, that is, that's huge, huge. So, Kim Il-sung has just kind of pumped everything into the military, really put all, all his eggs in one basket and basically said, look, we might be poor, but we're going to be militarily very strong. And if you're going to mess with us, you're going to get a long drawn out war that will not be an easy win for you whatsoever. Mm. And that's kind of how he secures the um, the strength of his regime. He also has this ideology called Juche, which is effectively just independence. So we're economically independent, we're militarily independent, and we... Um, kind of can live off our own resources. And that's kind of the ideology that gets pumped. But 1994, Kim Il-sung dies. How's he die? Just gets old? I think just, yeah, gets old. But his son, Kim Jong-il, ascends to the throne. And the interesting thing is that in a communist society, like you should not have a monarchy. Because that's the mm. system you're fighting against, right? Like, like... Um, and so the, the kind of rationale is that if you talk to someone who's ardently communist and how they identify themselves, they will say that North Korea is not a dynasty and it's not a monarchy because the Politburo decides who the successor is. And it's not a given that it will be the son of the current leader. And so there's discussions right now that if Kim Jong-un were to die, it would be his sister that would take over. And mm. that's kind of the argument that they make. But back in 1980, Kim Jong-il was effectively prepared for leadership he's got a pretty interesting story before he becomes the leader so kim jong-il really liked movies big Mm. big movie fan yeah what would you guess his favorite movies were so what what era are we talking here 80s like star wars 80s indiana jones you're on the right you're kind of in the right ballpark um Mighty Ducks. <laughs> that was nineties, wasn't it? Yeah, it was. <laughs> uh, like a American Psycho or something. Uh, Silence well, of the Lambs. Rambo was one. Field of Rambo. Dreams. Oh, Rambo. But another Rocky or James Bond. Oh, of course. Yeah. So boom, 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 big boom, James Bond fan, and he wants to try to appropriate that into into in a career. Um, so earlier, he'd actually kidnapped a famous um, actress from South Korea to work on the North Korean movie industry and help it improve. He's like, we're getting left behind here. Hollywood's kind of killing us. 
And so he takes a famous South Korean actress and, and kind of pulls off this almost kidnap or, or almost it was a kidnapping. And what he does is Kim Jong Il produces movies. Yeah. Damn. Nice. Little side hustle. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> One of them was a movie called, um, I, I, I've, not, I've only seen it written. I haven't actually heard itself said out loud. So I'm sure my pronunciation here is wrong. Pulgasari. That was okay. a Korean adaptation of Godzilla. Oh. Now, in that adaptation, Godzilla was fighting against, like, was leading peasant revolutionaries against greedy capitalists. And I'm like, oh, I reckon you could have, I reckon you could have easier adapt, easier times adapting other movies. Like, I think Star Wars is a way easier adaptation to make it into a North Korean kind of story arc. Mm. You've got, yeah, I don't know, like, even Gallipoli. You could make that into a, mm. like... Instead of staring down the hills of um, of Gallipoli, they, yeah. you're staring down the Korean peninsula as South Korean soldiers are shooting it. Like, mm. <laughs> why would they adapt Gallipoli? <laughs> <laughs> well, they adapt Godzilla. Like. Yeah, yeah. Gallipoli. That was just that was a movie of what actually happened. Like, I mean, I was trying yeah. to think. Uh, no, no. What movies were around before Star Wars? And I really yeah. draw a blank. <laughs> I don't really know anymore. <laughs> What's that? Norman Bates. What's it called? Is that just Psycho? Is that the one? Yeah, that's mm. the one I meant. Not Ameri- American Psycho is the Patrick Bateman one. Yeah. Yeah, that's just, just regular Psycho. <laughs> just, <laughs> yeah. North Korean Psycho. I'm <laughs> <laughs> oh, sorry, DPR Korean Psycho. Yeah, I'm thinking like, 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 maybe like a Gone with the Wind or something, like a, like a North Korean version mm-hmm. of that. The Little Mermaid is like yeah. a... <laughs> yeah, I'm thinking, yeah, Disney, Looney Tunes, Bugs yeah. Bunny. Mm. Peter Pan. So... <laughs> What people don't talk about was that when Kim Jong-il started, the relationship with America was at its best it had ever been. So Kim Jong-il comes in and he's like, well, with the USSR gone, we need people to help us out here. We cannot be economic. We can't actually practice Zhuxie well if the Soviet Union's gone. And China's cozied up to the West now, Deng Xiaoping. They've, like, they're in the World Bank. They're in the IMF. We can't rely on China either. So we've got to actually play the game that we didn't want to play. And we've got to start making good relations with the West to get these embargoes lifted and to get favorable trade deals. So what's the trump card that North Korea has when it comes to the negotiating table? Like at that point in time, why are they in a more powerful position than say like Sierra Leone? Their military? Yeah, military. So they can kind of barter their military off and agree to ease their military to get economic concessions from the West. And they come up with a deal called Kido, which was basically an agreement to where North Korea would, so Korean Energy Development Organization, Korea would shut down plutonium and nuclear components. And in exchange, they would get light water power instead from America. And so America is trying to like push them towards denuclearization. And Kim Jong-il was initially quite supportive of that. Uh, Bill Clinton actually eases sanctions on on North Korea. And in return, Kim Jong-il agrees to stop missile tests. Like This is all going on in the 90s. Mm. Really, really positive. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news... 
right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction and free shipping. And that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements. Featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash ACAST. And up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. In fact... The South Korean president in the year 2000 agreed to actually not only visit Kim, Kim Jong-il, but to also release 63 political prisoners that were held in South Korea that were pro-North Korean. Also, other bit about the kind of Korean debate that doesn't get spoken about, South Korea is pretty brutal towards pro-North Korean people. Mm. Not that doesn't exonerate North Korea in any way, but it's just more context that is helpful when expanding on the picture. Here's another one you might not know. Well, there's two. One, the American Secretary of State went and visited uh, Kim Jong-il and had a personal meeting with him, which is huge. Mm. Like the closest after, like we had to wait until Trump for something like that to happen again. But secondly, North Korea reopened relations with Italy and Australia. We're back, baby. We are, yeah, we're on. And I I, like, in doing, um, when I I made a Kim Jong-il video a couple of years back, I was astonished when I read that when I was doing the research. Like I, I'd never heard of us having open relations. Well, not open, but just existing relations with North Korea. Mm. He also met with Putin quite regularly, which probably doesn't come as much of a surprise. Yeah. But Kim Jong-il, in, in the first couple of years, people were speaking about him really positively. They were like, this is the guy who is reforming Korea, making it into a good image. He is kind of reshaping the party. Kind of like if... if Kim Il-sung was kind of the way that people viewed Abbott. Kim Jong-il was Turnbull. Kind of like putting a nice image, a polished image mm. on the on the leadership of the party. So at that point, it's all looking good. Like it's, good things are happening in North Korea. There's a promising future awaiting the North, but it does go south. Well, oh, fly, I, no, oh, I didn't even mean wow. No, he's good, isn't oh, he? He's I, good. No. Oh, I'll take that back. That's goes a, wrong. <laughs> goes bad. It does go bad. Mm. Now, China joined the IMF and the World Bank. And so Kim Il-sung, oh sorry, Kim Jong-il looks at that and he's like, that's the move that we need to make. So he's like, yep, I'm putting my application in to join the World Bank. And the West says, no. What? Why yeah. Why they do that? Because they still had nuclear components, allegedly. Mm. Korea was going through a really bad famine in the end of the 90s. Um, so your average person was on about 200 grams of rice per day and the child mortality rate had actually doubled over two years. Wow. So mm. North Korea is not having a good time. Um, access to safe water had shrunk from 86% to 53% in, um, in the, throughout the 1990s. So wow. like going, all the, going so far backwards. And um, basically Germany organized uh, an aid package to like a $3 billion aid package to get to Korea. And a lot of Western countries opposed this because they were like, you're just giving Kim Jong-il money. 
why do you trust that guy? Mm. And Germany was like, there's people dying in North Korea. They need this. Mm. And so like international opinion was not at all united behind Kim Jong-il. And there was big debate throughout the 1990s. But they got denied to the IMF and that's when things started to to change for Korea. Um, Kim Jong-il, he tried to do two things to combat the famine. Number one, he devalued the currency. Um, but number two, he also upped the price because it's communist and they buy the food off of the farmers and then redistribute it. They also upped the price that they would pay for the farmed goods. The theory behind it is the more we pay per ton of grain, the more incentivized the farmers will be to grow a lot of grain. Yeah. Checks out. Yeah. And in famine, if, if they're not getting paid well, they actually won't work very hard because they, if the, if they exert too much energy, they won't make that back up in food mm. and they could put themselves at risk of dying. If I'd said axis of evil, does that ring any bells? It does. <laughs> I've heard it before, but I don't know what it is. Not to be confused with axis of awesome who yeah. did that four chords, four chords viral video a couple of years back. My days. That is a good, yeah. good cultural throwback. It's <laughs> <laughs> some uh, alliance between nations. That call themselves the Axis of Evil. I'd <laughs> be <laughs> pretty boss for a country to come out. Well, they don't like call a cartoon supervillain. Dr. Evil. <laughs> it refers to a relationship, though, between countries right there was actually no relationship between these countries oh, okay so it's just a name that they have so george bush was the one who used it junior yeah and he after 9 11 he comes out and says there's a great axis of evil that we need to defeat oh i see three countries okay um, north, north korea. korea yep middle east right so we're looking is it uh like afghanistan afghanistan not afghanistan, afghanistan. Iraq. iraq um I, was, oh, I got I got confused between Iraq and Iran. Um, and uh, would it still be Russia or would it be China? It was Iran. Oh, it, it was, was Iran. <laughs> Iraq and Iran. So it's confusing that. Yeah, seriously, someone just, should start a conversation. <laughs> like, just rename your country to Australia yeah. and Austria. Yeah. Like you know, the souvenirs in Austria are actually like. I went to us. I went to Austria, but didn't see any kangaroos. Like they really play into that. Wow. The similar name. Wow. Get some original is, um, content, yeah, guys. Yeah. We don't really. Yeah. And Austria's it's a nice place. They don't they, need they've it. got enough. Yeah. They don't yeah. need yeah. to resort yeah. to. I mean, um, I'd like to go to Austria sometime. Yeah. Mozart. Um, yeah. So oh, there's other famous Austrians <laughs> yeah. I can think of. Marco and Marco and <laughs> Probably not the Austrian that I had in mind. <laughs> Mozart's probably the most famous Austrian. Mm. Maybe. I remember I got. <laughs> he's like, he's Adolf Hitler was Austrian. Yeah, that's, that's the one. I, I, I remember I really triggered yeah. Ben's sister. So, so Ben's sister mm-hmm. loved to kind of spurt the fact that World War One and World War Two were both started by an Austrian. Mm. That is that is not true. <laughs> Think about it. World War One. Who began World War One? Was there was there an assassination of Franz Ferdinand? Don't blame the victim. Prince Ferdinand <laughs> did not start World War One. It was Gavrila Princep. Yeah. Um, that no, is, he should have just not been Franz in the wrong Ferdinand place at the wrong time. <laughs> <laughs> I, I hate this victim blaming. <laughs> <laughs> it's the wrong place, wrong time. <laughs> so I remember I bursting, bursting Ben's sister's bubble mm. when I'm like, that's actually not, that's not a correct fact. That is tough. She's coming up against a history actually, teacher. Actually. <laughs> it's actually historically correct. And- <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Where, where were we? 
Oh, uh, we're talking about Austria. <laughs> no, no, the Axis Iran. Iran. <laughs> yeah. Now, basically, Bush labelled this Axis of Evil. And to be fair to North Korea, if you're there, you're like, how the heck did we get drawn into this? <laughs> like like, like Coppin Strays. It was it was Qatari guys. It was like it was like it was a it was a Qatari and Emirati and a Saudi who kind of were responsible for and uh, someone from yeah. Yemen, if I'm not mistaken, who responsible for 9-11. You've declared war on Iraq <laughs> and you're saying we are in this axis of evil. We are so many degrees of separation away from this thing. And George's George sorry, Bush's George. His rationale was Iraq has WMDs and Korea has WMDs. So weapons of mass destruction. Exactly. And so they really missed opportunity for like weapons of WMDPR, but uh, <laughs> or the, oh. well, WMDPRK. But, <laughs> and so George Bush kind of lumps them in and that's where the relationship really deteriorates very badly. So the deal for Kato was that North Korea would partially denuclearize in exchange for power. North Korea goes, you give us the power, like the, the light water power. And America goes, you denuclearize. And then they're at a standoff when neither will do um, their mm. action until the other person has done it. So Kim Jong-il kind of sees where this is going and he kind of sees that they're not making any progress. So he more or less just rage quits the negotiations. And basically, mm. he got completely changes tact and he tries to strong arm them. And so he actually starts building another nuclear reactor. Mm. This is in 2002. And so Bush said, if you build that reactor, UN, the UN needs to inspect it. Kim Jong-il goes, no, no, no deal. Japan eventually talk North Korea <laughs> into taking the deal. No way, no how. And so North Korea is like, okay, guys, guys, we'll take the deal. And America's like, all right, then. And North Korea, they're expecting this like, wow, that is really brave for you to kind of turn around. Like they're expecting a much warmer reaction from America mm. and America give them nothing. America's like, okay, cool. You meet the minimum standards for what we're going for here. And they are like Kim Jong-il is furious with that. And he is really angry personally with the way that he was treated by the Americans. He's a man of affirmation. Yeah, (laughs) that's his love language. (laughs) (laughs) This whole situation could have been avoided if George Bush had just read the five love languages. (laughs) Seriously. He's a a Gemini. Like, (laughs) we should have seen this coming. That's why French is the language of diplomacy, like um, language of love. (laughs) So basically, Cato was cancelled and... Like the, the wedding was off and George Bush basically said that America could beat Iraq and Korea combined. He was like, you don't think we could fight the two of you at the same time? We're America. And this is in the era when people hadn't grown disillusioned with the war on terror. So that sort of chest beating was really kind of well received by a lot mm-hmm. of America at the time. Like it's, it's George W. Bush doing the inaugural pitch level. Mm-hmm. That's where America's at at this point in history. On top of that, uh, North Korea then go and leave the non-proliferation treaty. So we go back to kind of the late 60s and the 70s off the back of the Cuban Missile Crisis. We basically get an international framework that agrees to give some countries nukes and not other countries. That's the nuclear non-proliferation treaty. Mm. North Korea was a signatory and then they leave that. And then in 2006, they successfully test a nuke without any radiation leaks which like, so it's like, okay, we can, we can now atomic bomb you if we want. Mm. 
and they boasted of having eight nukes that they had ready to go. Yeah. Which, which was almost certainly an exaggeration and probably a tactic to say to America, you don't dare try and bring us into the war on terror and invade us. Mm. Pretty insane. Like, cause often we just think of like, oh, North Korea, that's kind of like crazy man's land. Yeah. But there's like so much backstory before yeah. Kim Jong-un even comes on the scene mm. and Kim Jong-un, not much is known about him at this point, at that point in history. So the CIA, they've got like photos of when he was younger if I'm not mistaken, it was either Switzerland or Austria. I think it was Switzerland, but I would love it to be Austria for the sake <laughs> of just continuity on the pod yeah. where uh, Kim Jong-un spent a fair amount of time growing up playing basketball. I yeah. think. Interesting. I think it was, I think it was Switzerland though. Yeah. So was that Kim Jong-un? Kim Jong-un. Yeah, right. Probably. Yeah. Because was it Kim Jong-un that was hanging out with Dennis Rodman? Was that? Oh, was that Kim yeah. Jong-il? Maybe, probably, probably would have been maybe, both. Yeah. yeah. Like. Um, and yeah. so, but Kim Jong-un's on the scene now yeah, in know. North Korea. And so he has had his formative years. Like Kim Jong-un was very young when he became leader. I think he was something like 32 yeah. Yeah. when he became leader of North Korea. So he's in his twenties in like very formative years mm. in shaping your political thoughts. And from his perspective, from his perspective, the American Americans are just constantly throwing their weight around mm. towards and threatening his country. Yeah. And mm. that shapes a lot of how, how he thinks. It's unknown that's kind of a bit scary, right? Like, we don't really know much about this guy and we don't really know much about what's going on in North Korea. Yes. We do, it, it's, uh, what's the word? I don't know, unknown. <laughs> yeah, it's a, it's a completely secretive state yeah. that is not transparent with anything. Um, but you, the counter argument to that would be, would you rather a secretive nation or a misleading nation? Mm. And the answer is every nation is both. We are all, every nation is secretive and every nation is misleading in what their national interest is. Volatile. But yeah, yeah. And they often call North Korea a, a rogue state, mm. like a, a country that has no international legitimacy. Mm. Now, every president has kind of come in with the exception of Donald Trump. And we can explore this later another day saying if, North Korea wants to be a legitimate country. They have to get rid of their nukes because they're breaking the non-proliferation treaty. And we won't even entertain talks until you denuclearize. On the other hand, Trump was, was more open. He actually, remember when he met Kim Jong-un? Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Like, and at 2018, North South Korean, like give Trump his dues, North South Korean relationship looked really good. And Trump did play a very significant role in that. Um, but to go back in the story just very, very briefly before we wrap this one up, North Korea kind of goes off a cliff pretty quickly because we don't know much about them. Um, we didn't know just how close to death Kim Jong-il was because he was only 70. Like mm. Biden, what, what's Biden right now? 79? Turning He's pretty old, yeah. Um, and so we didn't know he was as close to death, as close to death as what he was. Kim Il-sung lived to be pretty old. And so... Like you've probably seen all the rumors today about Kim Jong-un nearly dying like 10 different times. Mm. Like I swear I've seen that news story so often. Kim Jong-un looks fat. He's ready to die. And you're like, well, okay. Yeah, right. He that last year too. Yeah. Like, he looks swollen. Well, yeah. So was <laughs> I when I got stung by a bee. Like, <laughs> <laughs> um, like seriously. Yeah. Like, mm, I know. I'm not seeing those stories, but yeah. Uh, yeah, they're out there. Oh, yeah, I'm not on. It's yeah. got a different algorithm. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> anyway, um, North Korea did more successful tests in 2009 
and then kind of global paranoia grew to be really big. In 2010, they had a couple of tense standoffs with South Korea. Um, one was a South Korean ship by what they argued was a North Korean torpedo. North Korea denied the allegation and the UN didn't come to a resolution on, and a conclusion on who did what. In 2011, um, uh, the South Korean island of Yongpyon was actually shelled with North Korean artillery. Um, and that was in retaliation for South Korea doing testing in what North Korea claimed were their waters. Mm. And so tensions are now growing. Mm. And the US ambassador to the UN said the relationship was as bad as it was back in the 1950s. What happened in the 1950s? War. War. And there's a little while there. And like, let's give Trump his dues. Like I'm obviously very critical on Trump on a number of things. The relationship building that went on at the end of the 2010s went a long way to averting a Korean war happening again. And that was because in 2010, 2011, the relationship was so bad. I mean, both were angry as well. Both got knocked out at the group stage of the World Cup. <laughs> I think, they, I think Korea, yeah, Korea didn't make it. Who was in their group? It was Argentina, Nigeria. No, maybe they got out of the group actually. In which one? 2010, because it was oh, uh, Argentina, Nigeria, Greece, and Korea. No, I think Korea actually got out of their group, Yeah, which would make the North Koreans... Yeah, caused even more yeah. tension, even more. probably. There's no solidarity there. <laughs> yeah, 2011, Kim Jong-un, at the very end of 2011, Kim Jong-un is on a train and he dies of a heart attack. Wow. Drops dead. Oh, that's the official story. Mm. There's kind of some question around this. Um, some argued that he died in a fit of rage. Um, but if you die in a fit of rage, that would also explain a heart attack too. Yeah. Um, and so like with the, like we saw last week, I'm not like conspiracy isn't really my area of interest. So I don't know too much about the conspiracy behind Kim Jong-il's death, but he died pretty young for the, like, obviously he had an amazing standard of, of living that the Koreans didn't. Mm. And, that then left Kim Jong-un to rise to the top of the leadership and the Americans didn't know that much about him. They didn't have, like this was not the same case as someone becoming the leader of Iran. New leader of Iran, America's got stacks of files on that person, but on, on Kim Jong-un, they didn't really have that much. And so it would be this great unknown of how would Kim Jong-un actually go and govern America going into the 2010s. I don't know. Have you seen any footage from Kim Jong Il's funeral? I don't think so. Maybe seen pictures of like the the kind of procession and the big images of him being displayed, but that's probably the extent of it. That is the funeral that I want to have. I'm just like, <laughs> do you see like have you seen? There's like great footage of like the Korean woman um, broadcasting on like on the news. She's like, and we have. I won't do the accent. Uh, I won't do it justice. But basically, like she, te she's in tears, being like, "Our great leader is dead. This is an incredible sad day of mourning." There's like mm. huge cult of personality stuff, and you know me, I love a good cult of personality. <laughs> um, so, is this what you think? Is this where the podcasting journey is going to lead us? <laughs> <laughs> Full circle when PY wins Survivor. Yeah. That was this pod. Right? I, it, today's all merged together. Race. I forget what. <laughs> um, um, yeah, it's an amazing race to be fun as well because <laughs> I could do it with a friend. True. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Maybe so ben? if you want to donate to the Patreon to help Pam achieve his state, <laughs> state funeral a... dreams, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. that'd be much appreciated. Yeah. 
Have you seen that new one where they like they blindfold them and they just drop them in a random place? Um, I don't know. I don't. That's all I. Yeah, that's I all like I've might got have from seen the, ads from the ad. Yeah. Yeah. But anyway. Look, all I'm hearing is we should do some form of reality TV. <laughs> <laughs> I'm a celebrity. Get me out of here because oh, yeah. I think Ben can go on The Bachelor. True. <laughs> True. Man, can you imagine? <laughs> no, I he is a mathematician <laughs> or, uh, and, and once a wife. talks about his primary school memories <laughs> on a podcast that people pay to listen to. <laughs> I think, what, a couple more listeners and we won't be too far off the D-tier celebrity list to get onto I'm a celebrity, get me out of here. <laughs> sure. <laughs> couple more, couple more and we're... That's, that's why you should share this podcast. Oh my God. As part of our, our journey to get onto... Some D-tier reality TV quest. Yeah, give a rating. Five stars, that really helps. <laughs> or, or one star, create some controversy. In yeah, like- like just, I mean, if you think it's five stars, please, by all means, rate it that. Mm. Do your truth. <laughs> <laughs> My gosh. Well. This really spiraled at the end. I yeah. Think, <laughs> I think we're quite fatigued. We've done a lot of podcasting today. We are... Oh, we're tired, so that means we've done a good job. <laughs> We're really batting ourselves on the back here, aren't we? I was just talking about the ScoMo, like, he looks really tired. He's managed COVID terrifically. Like we're just starting yeah. this podcast cult of personality that this is the first step in your state funeral dream. <laughs> yeah. Dear, dear. We'll see everybody. Yeah. You can maybe cut out where I explain the plot of the interview if that's not enthralling. <laughs> nah. Um, we're keeping it. Okay. And we're keeping that bit It's a good too. movie. <laughs> 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 <laughs>